pudding, and the pudding in this case is a football. Boom! Eat my goal! The goalie has got football pie all over his shirt. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Foot Podcast brought to you by Molson Coors. Hey, 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 I got it. I'm not, yes, mate. I, I just practiced it before we started. Um, <laughs> our wonderful sponsors. Uh, Is that because they threatened to remove their sponsorship after yeah, last week? Pretty much, pretty you much. Got a letter through the door. <laughs> so, uh, so, so. Our beer of choice this week, because I have to get this plug in early, is uh, Strongbow. I, I was I watched the game and I had a uh, a Strongbow watching it, and um, it I forgot how nice cider is. I don't normally drink cider, and it was it was kind of a muggy day, and I had the thing sitting in the fridge, and I had some ice and pour that bad boy over, and it was uh, quite delicious. It's a nice, it's a nice summer drink, isn't it? A cider. Yeah. yeah what what, a... what 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 notes did you get from it? Any any citrus notes or floral it's... notes? I would say it's a dry cider because yeah. normally, like the, the one, the one I normally actually drink, uh, and they'll probably stop the sponsorship after this too. Is uh Magners back, like Magners, we call it Bulmers back home, and it's, and it's yeah, really, yeah. It's, but it's really sweet. Uh, so like Strombo's a little bit kind of sharper than that. And I didn't think I'd like that kind of thing, but it's uh, it was really nice. I, I did get some like floral notes, and um, mm. yeah, it, it was a very uh, I feel like it's like Granny Smiths or something. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's that kind of tiny thing. I, anyway. Yeah. I, I, I remember like from living back home, I still remember the Stronghold advert that used to be on TV. It was like this, the giant, yeah, the giant golden archer. Yep. Like, and that's what I think. I think of that and I think of, do you remember that amazing Guinness advert from about 20 years ago where it's the guy, it's black and white and the guy riding the wave? Yes. yes yeah. Yes, and then yes. like a horse appears out of the water or something like that as well. Yeah. There's another, yeah. there was one, the famous Guinness advert where it's like a guy like dancing as a, point of settling and it was like this kind of bit of uh like jazz music that went like it went to number one in ireland <laughs> it was like anyway it was a really good advert uh anyway but so, most, most and cause make better adverts in my opinion oh definitely and you know if they if they did a still i'm sure it'd be, it'd be better i can't say that no um so anyway uh strongbow Mate, you'll be you'll have your passport removed i if know you say that. i know i know i know but it's a uh, it's a uh, strongbow strongbow good uh anthony bad all right so uh moving on to uh our, our reviews so we've got two games to go over Atletico Ottawa and we also have um the Pacific game uh, I got the chance earlier on to interview uh, Ludwig Amler, which uh, will come up in the second part of the show. He's a really nice guy. I'm glad that we got to, to chat with him. Um, and speaking of that, um, I just thought that we would kind of look at the signings for us, if that's all okay with mm. you, because I know that we've signed half of Canada, but if I re- like, I'm trying to remember all the guys that we've got coming in. So we signed Dero Jr., the goalkeeper. Um, we had Deagleman that we signed from. Yeah, they're both on development contracts, aren't they? Yeah. Those uh, two. They brought him from Germany. Um, mm. Erroneously said that he was a Bundesliga player when uh, I think they're, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. He, he's he was with he was like with a Bundesliga two team. I don't even know if he's anyway. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he... I, yeah, I think it's like one of those. So, so in, I think in Germany they do like Bundesliga, Bundesliga two, and then they've got like regional. Mm. Thing. I think he's in one of the anyway. It, <laughs> he, would, he would he would not be signing for us if he was from the Bundesliga. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, he's not. But you know, at the, at the same time, though, it's still quite difficult to get picked up by a team in Germany if you're Canadian. So good for mm. him. And then we brought in the defender. Uh, what's his name? Camp Camp Campania. Campania. Thank you. I I kind of wanted to get your. I obviously like. 
uh, I want to see if you've any done any homework on them first of all, and then kind of just get your what your thoughts are on like our what our signing strategy appears to be now going forward because you know we we have signed quite a few players in the last you know Escobar came in and Amla and uh, there was another event developmental contract one as well I think so yeah so what's what what, what do you think the players we brought in and where do you think it, it's shown that we're going in the future. I mean, I can't really speak to the kind of players there are. They are because there's honestly, for most of them, there's not a lot out there. I thought that Chris Campagna would have YouTube highlights somewhere, but I couldn't find anything um, concrete beyond him on a podcast. But I think if you just look at the profile of player we're signing now, you can you can like kind of draw a sh- pretty sharp comparison with the summer. I always say summer. It's not the summer. The winter of 2019 yep. into 2020 when we made when we had like that massive clear out and loads of players coming in. And it reminds me of that because if you look at the, if you look at the age profile of players, we signed that winter 2020, they were all like 22, 23 years old. And I think like anyone could see that that was a strategy. It was like, right, we're signing them 22, 23 sell on value. And they they haven't all worked out, but a lot of them have. And I, I kind of always thought that that was quite a good idea. And I thought, to be honest, some of them would have been sold, like just in terms of their profile when we signed them. But if you if you fast forward to now, I can see pretty much the same thing happening again. Like if you look at the players we've signed who will be here next year, there's Fumpa, 21 years old, Amla, 21 years old, Escobar, 22 years old, Campagna, 20 years old, uh, Noadja, 18 years old. And then the two development guys who are 17 and 18, I think. And I think that tells you that tells you a lot. That tells you that the management and recruitment team have probably sat down and gone, this team we've got now, number one, hasn't quite worked out. And number two is aging out as well. Like the the average age of the team is kind of creeping into the upper 20s now, the mid 20s to upper 20s. And I think they're just kind of replacing them with these 21, 22 year olds who are going to have sell on value, who who are a few years off their peak as well. And it just, it seems to be a pretty obvious strategy to me. Do you feel, do you feel like it's a dangerous road to go down again though? Because, because there are unknown values again, you know what I mean? Like, like a lot mm. of them are kind of unknown, whereas like, like Forge, and I get criticized for bringing this up all the time, like Forge and stuff like that, like they, they, they kind of have a mixture of both, if you know what I mean? Like they, they, mm. like they'll go out and they'll get a Jordan Hamilton and then they'll bring it in a, a, a Psyus, you know what I mean? So they kind of have yeah. a mix, whereas we just tend to go one way or, or like we don't, we're, as I said before, like we're just trying to like hoping that guys come good and like they're not really like proven, if you know what I mean? So like, do you think it's a dangerous strategy or do you think like it's, it will eventually get it right. I think the way the club probably see it is you have these youngsters, but then you have the older heads as well. So if you've, like, if you think about players who are probably returning next year, the only players over 25, I'd say who are a lock would be Jeremy Rampy and Santos. So I think if you're the club, you're probably sitting there going, yeah, we'll bring in these youngsters but we've also got like Morelli who will be 26, 27 next season. Yeah. He's, he's kind of like our established older head. We've got Rampy and Jeremy and you have that experience dotted around them. I mean, the, in theory, that's what will happen, but we like, we've both seen it doesn't always work out like that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a gamble, but I think everything you do in a developmental league is a gamble. Nothing's there's no real guarantees. Is there at this level? I don't think. 
No, definitely not. But I guess like the, the good thing is, is that, you know, like Fumpa will have some games in his legs. Uh, Amla, like Fernandez, like has played a full season. So, I mean, like I kind of, mm. some of that. Sumter younger, as well. Yeah. Like so, so some of that kind of younger group who we expect to kind of stay around have had, that they've performed at this level. You know what I mean? Like, I mm. mean, like, you know, like Fumpa has shown that, I think that when once he has like a full preseason and stuff like that, he's going to be a huge asset. Fernandez is, you know, like probably one of the best players we've signed in terms of uh, how good he is and the potential. You know, I think mm. that's probably one of the best players we, we've signed in in terms of that. Um, but you know, like, I, 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 sorry, I do, I do agree with you. Like in terms of like you know, keeping Rampy and Jeremy is going to be a huge part of this. I think um, like you can just see them on the pitch how they're just moving. <laughs> You know, like I feel like sometimes they're like the little puppet master behind people <laughs> trying to get them to move. Play. Like you know, we've said uh, it before. I think they're mummy and daddy, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> they're like the team's mum and dad. <laughs> Basically, they're the parents and they're like the the adults in the room who are just yeah putting out fires. And I, I think what's interesting. Did you see some? I can't remember who tweeted it out, but someone tweeted out um, the under twenty one minutes table. Did you see that? I saw their world gone. I know that uh, Ottawa were like struggling. And they kind yeah. of they they release that statement saying that they're they've got it in hand. <laughs> well, you know, like they've got like I think they've got one player. There's a the bar house or whatever that, that kid's name is. Like he's, he's been doing it all for him. Yeah, he's the one that's they've kind of like put put the banker on. But like the the thing is now, like do, do they kind of just go like, all right, we've kind of made the playoffs now. Like let's get the the kids in I there. Think, I think so. Yeah, I think that's what they'll do. But, or do they want that prestige of like coming top of the league? Because they're gonna have to do something. I mean, like, you, mm. like I think the league can, like has said that there's gonna be a punishment, a, a punishment, or there's gonna be like a like um an eligibility for the playoffs. And I think that'd be a PR disaster for mm. uh, let to go if that happens. So they're like, I think they're gonna have to do what we just said is like put which it which I if you remember like back in the day when um United were kind of running away with the league and then they they'd have a Champions League game in midweek and they'd put out the kids on a Saturday and it was this big thing back home. Like, like that's what I'm afraid of. If they, like, start going, like, all right, like, we've made the playoffs, start shit in the bed. Mm. Like, that's not really fair on the other teams then, if you know what I mean, because now they're going to, like, play, like, four kids against when earlier on in the season they had their, their best team out, you know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of hurts the integrity of the league a little bit because the teams they're playing later have an advantage. Um, yeah, I, the thing I found interesting about that table, though, was it's it's pretty much the league table flipped. So if, if you're like you put a mirror in the middle of the league table, um, so the top four teams are the... The top four teams in the league have the lowest under 21 minutes and the bottom four teams have the highest under 21 minutes. And... It's a bit like a yeah no shit moment, isn't it? Like oh yeah, the the, the youngest teams in the league are going to suffer because like Arsene Wenger used to always say this that you pay you pay for a player's develop sorry you pay for a young player's development in points. Like he I remember he used to always say that when we were building this young Arsenal team. Then you really do because like the worst four teams in the league are the youngest four teams in the league. Uh, it's as simple as that. So and I guess if you kind of like take a few steps back from the league and separate yourself from the emotions of the league, like our, our wants and needs as a fan don't always align with the wants and needs of the club in the clubs in the league. Yeah. Like it is like, we, we know it's a development league, isn't it? Like, so I think success to us as a fan is winning the title, winning the league success to the club. Is that as well? Of course it's that. 
But I think success to a lot of the clubs is how much money they can make from selling players, because again, it is a developmental league. And I think that's, um, not, I wouldn't say there's a tension there, but it's an interesting dynamic, I think, when as a club, you've kind of got, to, you've got to think of two things as success. Whereas as fans, like, we just want to win stuff. And you look at Ottawa's, Ottawa's model, like they're, they're, they're doing really well this season because they've probably thrown quite a lot of money at, older players more established players to get success on the pitch um whereas our model or york no not so much york but our model or maybe valor's model is more to develop young players with a mind to selling them on and getting some resale value from them whilst also trying to win championships as well and yeah i just i just found that quite interesting looking at that table i think um i think ottawa kind of had to do something in, in terms of that because it's like obviously they've got a name to live up to and I mean the first two seasons weren't very successful in terms of that like like obviously like it's it was more difficult for them because they were playing catch up with everybody else but at the same time um with the, the name associated with them they had to show that they're you know that it's the Canadian league they should be on top you know what mm. I mean so I think and that, yeah and that also means they're less reliant on player sales because they've got this financier in the Spain. background yeah so they don't need to do that really and they also have like a, a pool of talent that they can tap into too which 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 we don't but i i i feel like i think you're right because obviously we, we don't get tv money like where you're you're pretty much banking on the fans turning into gate to, to pay the bills kind of thing and then like mm. you know like um the bits of sponsorship outside and stuff like that but i i just the problem for us is that like we're trying to do that model but we haven't been very good at it so far, unfortunately. And it, it, like, you know, like we haven't sold a player yet. Mm. Whereas, you know, like obviously York have, uh, Calgary has, like, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's yeah. like what we're trying to do on both fronts hasn't been very successful so far. So, and I guess uh, another side of that as well would be that, like you said, we're, we, we rely a lot on gate money. And I think if you look at attendance recently, it's been down for the yeah. first for the first time really not not dramatically down it's still like in the upper five thousands but previously it's always been in the low to mid six thousands and i think the club are probably conscious of that and have an eye on that and are thinking okay maybe maybe the on-field product is starting to get to the point where it's harming attendances a little bit um and that might play into the thinking because that's just as important that financial that financial side of it is just as important as a financial hit would get from selling a player. So they, I'm sure they're aware of that too. Yeah. And like, you know, like I, I, I don't want to kick, kick anybody where down. And obviously we've had two victories at home now in a row, which is going to help coming into that later part of the summer when there's not as much to do. So we might see your tents is kind of bump back up again. Um, But it, it, I'm sure that's, that's their bread and butter and it's something that they mm-hmm. kind of have been keeping their eye on so um just let's move into the games here um but before i do uh, i just wanted to uh, do a little bit of housekeeping uh well done to pacific um yeah. they, they they were like last night's game like they were kind of out, out far from most of it jamar dixon had a rush of blood to the head and lost his fucking mind <laughs> basically yeah, um and they just managed to dig a result out of it and went down penalties unfortunately so like you know i think we've been really lucky that pacific and forge have like like for a league that's so young 
uh, really done us proud in terms of uh, what they've been able to do in in Concacaf. So congratulations to them. Um, my buddy Steve uh, was in Toronto and brought me back this beautiful stuff. Uh, nice, yeah. Steve still, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to say Sweet. thanks to Steve for that. Um, he got to see. Uh, I think I can't remember who they were playing, but it was two two, and uh, that one of the Italian defenders they signed, yeah, scored sort of an absolute banger of a goal. So yeah, yeah, that I saw of. that. Yeah, so uh, he, he was at all the sports, wasn't he? He was at like a baseball game earlier in the day as well. Yeah, you like so the uh, what, what a weekend! <laughs> I know, going to the sports. I know, and then on the weekend he went to see. Uh, the reason why he was there was to go see the Strokes and uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So he had uh, quite the weekend, and then. He that's went very two. I know he's around my age because yeah, that's very two thousand one, two thousand and two. Like and, he's got to be mid thirties, like I. Uh, and then like it, one of my like uh, this isn't the Steve Steele podcast, but just uh, <laughs> just the, the, he was telling me that he went to uh, obviously because we don't have these in in Halifax. He went to the Louis Vuitton store in Toronto, Jesus. and um, guess who was there? Insigne. <laughs> no way. <laughs> And he said he was too he was too shy to go over and say hello to him. I was like, oh, no. dude, you're like you're the least shyest person I know in the whole wide world. So anyway, so uh thanks to Steve. So uh moving on to the the Ottawa game, which was <clears throat> gee, how can we describe it? Uh a fucking shit show. So um of officiating. It's like like uh, we had a, an amazingly bright start, and I think we've Stephen Hart has abandoned whatever he was doing at the start of the season and has kind of firmly landed himself at the 3.2 thing, which I think is working amazingly well. I think we're playing really good football. Um, the, the bright start that we had uh, was incredible. And then we had the Lamotte offside. So what, what did you think of the, the start and the, the, offside, um, the, the offside decision? Yeah, it wasn't offside and it was really annoying because I think that would have probably been one of the best goals as yeah. a club we've ever scored. I know. Um, right? In terms of like team play and build up, pattern play, it was like it, you could just see like the combination work they've probably done on the training ground worked and they like they all looked kind of a bit shocked when it went in. They're like, oh fuck, we did it. We can do what we do on the training pitch. And then, yeah, it was very annoying that it got ruled out. Um, I, I agree. I think the 5 3 2, 3 5 2 is far far better for this group of players if if you look at the personnel we have and the qualities they have it's far more suited to this formation not forever I think again we've said this before but like game by game the other teams will get more data points on us they'll figure out how this works and how to exploit it but then hypothetically then we have the 4-3-3 to go back to as well but I think like I, I say this genuinely with no inside knowledge whatsoever but I think Stephen Hart has pulled rank a little bit and gone thank you Alejandro Dorado like thank you for like giving us this very Spanish very modern way of playing but it it stopped working um, and I think he's just gone back to a way of playing that he's a lot more comfortable with and understands a lot better I get that's me completely guessing but that's what it feels like to me I feel like this is a much more Stephen Hart way of playing and than the four one two three with false nines and inverted wingers and all of that modern stuff like I, I think I think you have to accept that this 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 league is at a certain level where I mean like for that to work it's like quite advanced positional play where it's yeah. all about roles and jobs rather than positions and it's about interchanging it's about knowing your zone exploiting your space and i'm just not sure the quality of player is here to really make that work so going to something a bit more agricultural a bit more functional like 532 definitely working for us and if you kind of trace a line back to the forge game actually we lost it the 1-0 that forge game like that's when we started with it because I think the four the four two 
defeat against York was rock bottom. And that was yeah. everyone kind of looking at each other and going, something needs to fucking change because this that, is dire. That was a, that was a and, huge, I, I honestly think that's, that was a huge turning point in the season. I think that, yeah. I, I think that, same thing again not i don't have any insider knowledge but i feel like they probably sat down as a management group steven matt derek alejandro like whoever and just said right we need to fucking fix this because as you said the fans are getting probably for the first time getting on their back a little bit um and they kind of needed to pull rank a little bit and as like switch back to which like it reminded me of like last year when we were playing these games and we we're playing so well, but we just couldn't find the back of the net. And it feels like you know, like we're like we're our possession play is really good. Like we're kind of uh, Stephen Hart has talked an awful lot about like moving the ball faster. And I think we have the ability to move the ball faster with this formation than what we're. I just feel like we're just getting bogged down. And do you think that this has anything to do with like you know like obviously like Daniels hasn't been starting? Like do you think that's anything to do with it? I th- yeah, I do. I do. I like I. He's a confusing player, isn't he? He's really <laughs> fucking confusing. He's so he's so talented. He's got so much talent. And I, I feel like he's going to be a player that will do really, really well at some point in his career at a club. But I think, like, players... Players are really affected by the type of team they're playing for. Like you could, you could stick a player like him in a different club and he'll look like the best player in the league. But for whatever reason, with how we play with our principles, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work. It doesn't quite work for him. He's, he's a roamer. He likes to be, he likes to move around a lot. He doesn't like to be stationed in one area of the pitch. And I'm, I think we need more structure and I think we look better with structure. Um, and yeah, he's been the one that's come out as a result of that. Although, to be fair, he played against Ottawa and he had quite a good game against Ottawa. So what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like writing the guy off completely. Like I think he's still got something to offer. But what I find, like, <clears throat> I don't like to be, I don't want to be too critical of him either. But I think in that Ottawa game, like as you said, like he's kind of like a free spirit a little bit. He likes to roam around and stuff like that. But like when something doesn't come off, like rather than getting stuck back in and trying to win the ball back. He just kind of just has this kind of flippant attitude of like, you know, oh, well, whatever. And I, I think that's for what we're trying to do, like what as what we are as a club, it just doesn't fit. Like even Joe Morelli, when he's playing, like like he tracks back and he's like, he mm. runs and he like, he, he you know, he, he has a zone that he has to work within to like close yeah. people down and stuff like that. Whereas like I find with, with Daniels, as talented as he is, like he just has this, tendency not to like once he loses the ball just to kind of go fuck it somebody else's job like I I, I I I don't I don't think it's flippancy and I don't think it's that I think it's I think it's a confidence thing I actually think I actually think as a weird thing to say about someone who plays like him but I think he's quite an insecure player and like, I read it as him he gets really annoyed at himself but but in that split second where he gets annoyed at himself and throws his arms in the air like like you look at um the second Ottawa goal him and him and Jeremy kind of get in each other's way and the, their reactions to that happening are completely opposite. It's, Jeremy's reaction is, fucking hell, I need to sprint back because I've got a counter here. And Daniel's reaction is, arms in the air, looking disappointed with himself and a bit annoyed. And I think, like, yeah, I think with him, the problems between his ears, that's that's the issue with him, I, I think. But I don't, I don't think it's flippancy. I think it's just like, he gets really annoyed at himself because he didn't do it, well or something. It was, it was even like the four in the... But the first goal too, like when he kind of miscontrolled, like uh, like Sam played an absolute hospital pass back to him, mm. and he tried to control it with his chest, and like 
you, you don't have that much time. Like as much as you like this league as is a development league and whatever that you just don't have that much time to like start chesting the ball down like like you know twenty five yards from goal. And then when he mm-hmm. lost the ball, then like it was the same thing again. And like you, you you're probably right. I, I'm just like looking at it from the way that I saw it, and like I'm a lot more negative than you, I guess. <laughs> as people <laughs> always tell us, but it was certain. It was certainly something that people picked up on Twitter and stuff like that. That you know, like he's kind of and. I, I think you're right, like uh, that it's uh, flipping was a very wasn't a great term. I, I just think that maybe you're right that he's just angry with himself and he just kind of has that. Mm. But in professional football, that split second is everything, you know what I mean? Exactly, and, yeah. That's it, yeah. And, and when you're a fan looking out like inside and you see Jeremy busting his bollocks off to get back, and mm. like obviously, like t- it was a tablet that beat like four players, yeah, players. yeah. But, but it, it started like from that, that like he was busting his bollocks to get back, and then we've got somebody who. Who, who doesn't and you know if somebody who doesn't who, who can't read people as good as you like that's kind of the way it would look is that it's just him no it, no mate it might be that as well still, we interpret body language in different ways and i just kind of interpret it as a self-confidence thing for some reason but yeah, yeah it, so like the, the the flip that one um one of the big things that's kind of come out of all this is uh like mo omar has suddenly mm. turned into this in, like uh, something's like I don't know whether they've like given them like extra Weetabix or <laughs> uh, or like they're, they're they're like putting speed into his like his uh, sugar puffs. I really don't know what's going on here, but it's uh, you accusing the club of doping? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, somebody, uh, I feel Darren Man is going to sue you to pieces, <laughs> I, mate. I feel bad. He's got to get like randomly drunk tested. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's actually a really good uh, Roy Cade story. Right, he's at the World Cup in '94. And um, he he was called back for like a, a drug test, and he said like because of the heat that was there in, in the states at the time, uh, he, he couldn't piss like so he had to like try and <laughs> hydrate himself. So he's like there for like two or three hours, like drinking bottles of water. So um, he he, when he did it and he walked back out, the team would fucked up in there. <laughs> it's like the most Irish thing ever. It's like ah oh, fuck him, you can make his own way back. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so like, w- what a change, man! Like, it's great to mm. see. Like, we, we've kind of talked about like how um, he just like maybe that he needs to come back and do whatever. But something's changed, and I don't know whether it's Stephen Hart's got in his ear and said to him, "Listen, man, you're you're a fucking good player, and this is like we need you in there." Because I mean, defense, and then we'll, we'll get to later on Pacific. Like, he was he's, he was fantastic in both games, and he's got a, a like a bite was game that I don't think we really. Uh, we thought that Sammy Salter was the guy that had a bit of like the back the back chats, but well, Omar likes to get stuck right in there, doesn't he? Huh? Yeah, mate, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a hothead, but he does it really cerebrally, doesn't he? Like he always seems like he's on the edge, but he's also in control and knows not to tip over the edge. Yeah, he was he was, he's been brilliant the last three games. To be honest, against Valor, he was really good yep. as well. Like there was a moment. There was a moment in the Pacific game when it was when we still were playing five through two before we switched. Well, I just kind of I just looked at him and I thought, like, this is his team now. This is Omar's team now. Everything was going through him. He was like kind of the technical reference point for players. They were looking for him as their outboards, their as their release valve, their safety ball. And I thought you can you can you could kind of see through like a hazy window, but you could kind of see the next step for the team and what it might become with a midfield of him as a six and Rampy and Jeremy as the eights. And it looked really, really good and really promising. Um, yeah, he's 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 a really interesting player. Like he's, I find he's got a really odd, it's like strangely graceful running gait. 
like yeah. he kind of runs like a gazelle or something doesn't he or or like a deer <laughs> or a deer or something like he's kind of got these like little soft feet and he's just very he just he just moves around the pitch very very gracefully and then it contrasts with him being a bit of a nutter when he's like charging into a brawl um but he's yeah he, he just looks full of confidence now I think I think being trusted as a six against Valor and really excelling getting in the team of the week you just kind of see his chest puff out a little bit in, yeah. in the next games and him thinking mm. yeah I'm, I, I could be the man here and I, I, I liked as well that so against Ottawa he played as a centre back and against Pacific and Valor he played as a six but going back to kind of what we were talking about with positions versus roles, I actually think even though in one game he's a centre-back and in one game he's a centre-midfielder, I think he's basically playing the same role in both of those games. It's, yeah. it's He's like our deep, deep-lying playmaker. He's our, he's always our spare ball. He's always our free man. And we we can hit him with a pass, wrap it into him and trust him to trust him to take it in those areas and, and pass out of it as well. So yeah, really interesting player. And I'm, I'm really excited about watching him develop actually like just on a aside from the team and aside from like supporting the team just as a player I like I'm interested to see what he might become. Yeah I, I actually should have when we were talking earlier on about players that have a resale value you can definitely see that you know if he keeps on the trajectory like he, he could be something because I mean, you were totally right like like when he received the ball like he wasn't like I, I felt like he was rushing stuff earlier on in the season, I think that's probably why he was getting hooked. Like, he was just kind of like, just not making the smartest of passes. And like, like the, the, the last couple of games, he's just stroking the ball around and he just like, he's assured and he just knows what he's, what he's up to. And um, even when he's playing center back, like I thought that when he played against Guelph in the, the start of the season, he didn't have a very good game and he played a lot better when he moved into midfield. Um, but I think as a center back, he's, he, he needs to be part of a three as well. Yes. So he yeah. can kind of step in and be more of a midfielder. Whereas a two, you've, you've not really got that time on the ball to, to play like that. Yeah. So, and it's, uh, it's probably like a positional thing too. Like when, you know, with three, you kind of have a little bit more of a leeway because you're, you can depend on the two guys besides whereas with one, it's like, you know, if this goes over this guy's head, I'm fucked. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's been, he's been fantastic. Um, I, I guess like the, the, the thing we need to talk about too is like, you know, like the TSO goal came in, like how he outran Fernandez for that. I have no fucking clue. It, it was just, it was just odd, but like, then we had to come back and, you know, we were kind of, we were knocking on the door and we were threatening. And I, I thought the goal for Lamotte's goal was excellent, actually. Yeah. I mean, we, we scored the goal that Forge score, which is creating an overload on the wing, a cutback goal. Like really, really nice goal, and I was, I was happy for Lamoff as well because I think he's, I think he's from that area, so I'm sure whenever, whenever he plays in Ottawa, he has a lot of family there. So it was good for him to have that beautiful goal cancelled out, but then get his moment as well. And then, you know, like I, I thought, I thought he's been, he's another one that's kind of stepped up a little bit in the last couple of games and has been excellent. Um, but then we had a. Uh, Fumper come on and do his Fumper thing and uh, win as a penalty, which, <laughs> which, like. It was dubious, being honest with you. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't so sure about it, but you know, like I felt like we were old one anyway from the offside thing. So I'm not going to get too up, like too uh, much into it. But I, I thought that Simon Salter again kind of stepped up, and he's a really good penalty taker. Like, like he is. You know, he's kind of taken on the mantle, obviously from Akeem and Joe, and he's kind of just gone with it, hasn't he? 
And and again, we've talked about this before, but that was about four penalties ago. But we have an absurdly good record with penalties. I know, it's we amazing. still we still haven't missed one four years. I think it's our we've had like 17, 18 penalties or something. And again, the penalty conversion rate is 75%. That's like your normal penalty penalty conversion rate. So we should have missed like at least like four or five. And the fact that we haven't is <laughs> Like we're fucking, we're due one. Trust me, we're due a penalty miss. I, I think it's, I think it's because when you're, because of the strikers, like, like they're not getting that many chances, really. You no. know, and it's, it's just like, like this is probably going to be my only chance to fucking score here. So I better. Well, if you if it. you look at the goals we've scored, we've scored, I think we've only scored like four or five from open play and eight penalties. <laughs> that tells you everything. Wow, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, like, uh, and you know, the thing, the thing I liked and like. It was that like he grabbed the ball straight away and went back to the because this was a game we had to win, like you know, like we're talking about like yeah, like our playoff chances kind of just gone out the window here, and this is like our way of trying to get back. And mm. uh, I don't think you can fault anybody for just if they just kind of left and went for the point. But I was really happy, and I know that it kind of cost us in the end. But I was like really happy that we had that mentality of like fuck, we need to get back in here, and I I I really appreciate that. But just just turning our attention to the fucking mess at the end of uh, like when I was talking to, to to Ludwig there, he was kind of saying that th- the players were looking at, at their phones in the dressing room because like none of them had any idea what the fucking just happened. Yeah. Uh, like, like, so from your point of view, like I, I know that uh, some people were set, like trying to say that, like, I think I was, I, I thought that he gave it for the handball originally, but then obviously there's a thing that they do, like they wave the flag when it's a handball yeah. or something. So it was an offside that he gave. Hundred percent, yeah, yeah. So he 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 raises the flag for offside, and then so right. My confusion over this, and I I chatted to a lot of people on Twitter about this, and like, so my confusion was I thought once that offside flag is up, that negates everything that happens afterwards, and kind of the the example I used was like if if I two footed tackled someone, but then the ball spilled away and hit someone's arm that doesn't then become a handball. Like my, my two foot tackle is still the offense and the red card. So I, my understanding was like the handball doesn't really matter because we've already offside has already been given. And that's what I put on Twitter. And Ollie, Ollie Platt replied saying that actually, and I haven't checked this, but I assume he knows what he's talking about. He was like, actually how offside works. And I've fucking been watching football 30 years. And I didn't know this um, is it's not actually offside until the active player becomes involved. So, so if it hadn't have hit Santos and would have just gone through, it would have been offside because then the Ottawa player is active. That was his, that was his explanation of it, which to me sounds fucked as a rule, but if that is the rule, that is the rule fair play to the ref. But I I think it was one of those that just as a football fan, watching it it didn't feel right like that didn't feel like that was fair what happened but yeah what can you yeah, do what, like, what was your understanding of it like being honest I, I think I saw um somebody did the same thing they just said that like you know the, the offside flag went up and then and because the ball had hit his hand or something like that like, like I don't know it's like football's really confusing sometimes like that yeah and like I, I was just like Okay, like, but I just felt like no matter what way they looked at it, they handled it horribly. And mm. then it really looked like to everybody watching that, that it was the Ottawa players who influenced that decision and not the referee or, and, and the linesman. I think that's the, I think that's the problem with 
football in general. And I think it's something that I'm definitely starting to notice is creeping into the league, this kind of thing of badgering referees. Um, I've seen a, a, the Calvary game, like when Jeremy was sent off, there was like a lot of like badgering around the referee. Like Bobby Smirniotis does it all, like Forge are the worst for it. They're like mm. Pecker and Koga in the referee's faces. And I, I really thought, I really think it should have been something that should have been kind of set out from the start that like, People always look back to rugby and how the referees are um Mike, referee... Mike Tap, aren't they? Yeah, the but, but but they're also like like they're beacons of respect. Like like you don't disrespect them and when you do, like you're gone. And I feel like football has never kind of followed suit when they should have and said like that, you know, if you surround the referee and you're kind of like screaming abuse in their face, you should be gone. You know, like, like no ifs or buts. Yeah. Like, and I think until they crack down on it, like this stuff will happen. And it just really looked at with the crowd booing because there was a pretty mm. decent crowd there. And then the audio players and the rest, it just looked at that's why they changed their decision, which yeah, yeah. just perception wise was just kind of shitty and um yeah it, it was just an awful it was a really good game too and i, I just felt like it was like a, a terrible ending to it and it really felt like a big kick in the bollocks too yeah it was like, yeah we've worked so hard to get back into that game and um for some big performances so your heineken man in the match for that one i remember this week so i didn't have to like i want to do a, a separate tweet this week so. yeah um <laughs> i would say lamoth lamoth and i kind of want Almost want to give him it for Pacific as well, but but yeah, no, Lomoff definitely. I think he's I think he's taken he's gone up a level recently. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what's changed. I don't know if anything's changed, but he seems to be a lot more comfortable in his own skin. And you can you can see you can see the technical level of the, level of the player is super super high. Like some of the some of the little touches he has, like, like look at it and go, Jesus, where did where did that come from? That's like that's not a CPL first touch. The way what he's just done there, but then it's with him it's kind of everything that came after wasn't always really there in terms of like up until a week ago his end product was pretty poor like he, he'd find yeah. himself in some quite good positions but not be able to finish I felt like I felt like he's the kind of player sometimes who his first one or two actions are really really good but then the last pass he plays is not always there like he'll take it really nicely in a tight area he'll get away from his marker but then the pass won't be there at the end of it but that's that's starting to come now so yeah hopefully it continues yeah I, he's he's technically a re- as you said he's a really good player like i mean like watching him you can like i think over the midfield players like he's definitely like one of the, the better ones I, I personally i think it's like like obviously you've got mo omar starting to come good um which is probably like pushing them on because there's more competition. Competition breeds, you know, um, like good play and stuff like that. And I also think that I feel like he's like maybe somebody's just got on his ear a little bit and just said like, "Hey, like you don't need to worry as much because we've got Jeremy and Rampersat in the middle blocking stuff off. So you know, like make the make push yourself a little bit forward and don't be afraid to take a shot. Like I, they, it's really weird. Like as a team. Like our our decision making when it comes to like shot taking, uh, the final ball is poor sometimes. Um, I, I think like there's nothing wrong sometimes with just taking a pop. And I think like you see like some of the ch- some of the shots we take and you're just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like <laughs> I, I I'm sure I've seen Rampy probably like try oh, 20, mate. yeah yeah twenty five yarders like <laughs> a shit ton of times. I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like it's, and is a case of the Karumas. Yeah. <laughs> Karuma in twenty nineteen every game. It'd sky a couple, wouldn't it? But then like you feel like like Lamotte is the one that has the technique to actually probably do that and it should be him 
taking the pots, you know, pops, you know what I mean? Do so, you remember a goal he scored in the Valor bubble again? I think it was against yes, Valor, actually. Like yeah. he twatted it top corner of like a half volley or something. And so he's got yeah. that in him. Yeah, so that that uh, I just feel like he like maybe with this bit of confidence in the goals, and as you said, he was in the team of the week, which will probably help him too. But my, I, I'm going to give it to um, I'm going to give it to Mo Omar. And uh, there was actually one thing I, I should have brought up before we move on. Christian Oxner, uh, we, we we're low to talk about goalkeeping <laughs> position and stuff on this podcast, but um, I I honestly feel like on this one, um, this was not his fault. It was just a freak of fucking nature. Yeah, like yeah. anybody in the right mind would look for that cross to come into the box and he was just positioning himself for it and nobody would expect uh, I, th- I think it's unfair to blame him for that goal yeah um, and it's not not a fucking chance that guy meant it either oh, not my, a chance I, like, he, he spooned that cross he, and he he's a lo- it he's a lying bastard if he said that he fucking yeah. any part of that but uh like it, in fairness to Oxner, like like he showed what what he's good at like when that save from tablet like you know, like he got himself out properly, and uh, like how he saved that shot, I don't know. Just it spooned off his arm, but I mean, like mm. you got to be as a keeper, you got to get your arm there, right? So, um, I, I know that a lot of people are uh, not the biggest fans of Oxford right now, and we we had basket come in for the Pacific game, but I I think a, like fair like fair fair is fair, and I I definitely don't think that was his fault. So anyway, moving on to the Pacific, so. Um, what what did you think of the the formation for this one and the personnel? Like, what did you, like we, we had? I think we had uh, Mo Omar kind of playing more as a six in this one again, yeah. right? So, um, what did you think of the the changes that Stephen had uh, had made for this one? Bit of a surprise to see Jeremy come out. I didn't realize that he had accumulated a yellow card suspension. So when when like I read that on my phone, I thought, oh shit, because he, he's. I feel. I feel a lot more comfortable watching us when he's playing. Like he's just, he brings control and security. So yeah, I was a bit worried that he wasn't playing. This isn't a knock on Polisi. I like Polisi, but I was happy that Lamoff was chosen and I'm happy Omar moved in back in as a six as well. Cause I think I, I get the impression Rampy really enjoys playing as an eight. I think he likes it a lot more. He likes being closer to goal. And that is, I felt like, about a month ago you started to see him hit a bit of a wall and I think he'd stopped he wasn't playing with as much enjoyment as you see with him a lot of the time and now he's back to like doing his little tricks and like nutmegging people and stuff and he, he seems like he seems back so that's been good for him brilliant for Omar playing as a six again Lamoff has been in good form so good to see him there and I think so I think because we played Saturday Wednesday Saturday I I I think Wednesday was closer to our B team, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I Like the priority has to be the home games now because like we've said, playoffs are almost certainly gone. But from from the club's perspective, they want people to be renewing their season tickets in the next month or two. And the way that's going to happen to the levels that they're probably hoping for is to pe- for people to leave Wanderers Grounds over the next month in a good mood and having had a good time and seeing it as a day out that brings them happiness, not disappointment. So I think the priority now is big time on win our home games. Like we're not making the playoffs. doesn't matter hugely what happens away, but win the home games. So yeah, I think, I think the team we saw on Saturday is our, our first 11, you could say minus Jeremy. Yeah, I I definitely think uh, that's kind of the thinking. Like, I mean, like we had Fumpa on the bench and stuff like that on Wednesday and stuff like that. So it's definitely like uh, gearing more towards um, 
like making sure that we perform at home. It, it was like I, I think it was one of those weird ones where I thought we were playing better when they had eleven than when. Yeah, that soon, happened. That's so common, isn't it? That uh, happens so as, much. As soon as the, like one of our big things is that when we are given the ball, I'm mean, to try and break people down. We're not very good at it, unfortunately. Um, and I, I like we did create a couple of chances, but it was kind of just it was just one of those games where it was just like kind of both teams were constantly each other out because like Forge is basically like just pressed the hell out of us pretty much and like just sat back really well. But it was it was an odd game to watch. It's it's when a team gets a player sent off early like they did, it's really difficult to break them down because they they kind of have enough time to really get used to defending and they like set up a low block, they defend the penalty box and it's yeah it's they kind of lost all ambition to score as well. They had like one decent one on one chance, but other than that they Pacific weren't really trying to get a goal. And when you're playing against a team who just have nine men just sitting in there, maybe sorry, eight men just sitting in there and one outlet, it's very difficult to break down. And I, th- I thought we did have some, I, s- I saw that a bit on Twitter actually that we didn't create much, but I thought like we created loads in that game. Again, I might have been, my memory might be playing tricks on me, but like there was, Lamoff had a far easier chance to score than his actual goal in the box. Yeah. Omar missed an open goal. Salter <laughs> had a one-on-one. And Salter had like a volley at the, in the penalty box. Um, I think there was one more. Like, I think we had an XG of like two point something after that game. That, but that, the, finish, I, I, the finishing was bullshit. <laughs> really it's like bad so, finishing. So, so, Salter needs a, a goal. That's not a penalty at this stage. Like, I, I think yeah, uh, he's lashing at him a bit, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, but... Uh, d- <laughs> I did. I didn't really want to bring it up, but that that Mo Omar one was. I <laughs> know, oh, bless him. We 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 think you're amazing, but dude, stay as a six. Anyway, <laughs> so um, so obviously the big the big change was the the big game changer was the the red card. So it was another kind of a controversial one. This one. So what was your take on the the red card? Watching it live, like it was really hard to see what happened because it was like where I sit, it was the opposite side of the pitch. And it, it, just, it just looked like a shoulder badge to me. Like, it didn't really look like much from where we were sitting. So I was really surprised when the red card came out. And, like, we were trying to, like, get Fubo up on our phones to watch the replay, like, to see what had actually happened. Yeah. But it was the sun it was the sun glare and all that. Um, but watching it back, I, th- I think it was a red card. Like, he fucking forearm smash. He does a forearm <laughs> smash on him. It, it, it was, yeah. Like, I, I, I watched it on TV, and at the time, I was like, he got the ball and whatever, but then uh, the more you watch it, it does look like he was leading him with his shoulder. And like you know, I th- I think twenty years ago he probably would have got away with that because he got the yeah, ball. Yeah, but yeah. The, the the way the game is, especially around protocols with concussions and stuff like that, like and I, I think it was actually the assistant referee on this one who actually gave the the referee the, the heads up that it was um mm. a red card because like he fought like. Poor Corey Bent was spark out, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. it, 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 like you know, and uh, like like Manny is a great player, but he has these kind of he has these moments like like that, where it's like you know, like, like there was no need for him to to lead in the way. Like I, I'm sure he'll say he was trying to protect himself, but it was it was just an odd one. Like it, like I can kind of say from both sides where old school people would be like, it's, it's mm. a fucking game, and then you know, there's people who were like, I I, I think it's a uh victoria gooners with a guy on twitter who uh is like um or like, the ref the ref guy yeah and yeah. he like uh, he he straight up said it was a red card so mm. like you know like i i i think with people like that it's better better to defer to their judgment because they know more than what we do so um yeah, but yeah Mer- it was- merchant merchant sailor on twitter so he's a 
local ref as well. So I always defer to him on decisions like that. Um, but it, it, the the afters was pretty cool to watch. Like the <laughs> their, like their assistant manager got sent off, and it was like a like James Merriman. I posted like the after like the after match um interview with James Merriman, and you could tell he was fucking seeding. So yeah. and it's one of those things that like you believe that you're right. Um and like he was like it was a yellow card at most kind of thing like a red mm. card no but I I feel like if the roles were reversed and it was somebody else charging to one of his players he wouldn't feel the same way so um yeah and one of the things I I did want to bring up uh, as well just before we move on to the uh, Molson mailbag is um I love that I, name yeah I, I love it right uh, <laughs> uh Amla um. He actually came on here, and a lot of people were uh, praising his performance for the the time that he came on. Like, I mean, he, I, I thought he was like definitely putting himself about and was causing them some issues, especially like when they, like he was closing people down um, when they had the ball at the back and stuff for like that, and was causing them quite a few issues. There was one where he nearly closed the ball down and was able to run through. So, what, what did you think of uh, him when he came on? Yeah, he was very good. He he was a lot sharper than the the first game we saw him in against York. Um, his touch was better and you, I can actually see like, I remember when we signed him, he was described as being quick, but you didn't, I didn't really see that against York because everything he did was back to goal, but with a bit more room to play in, you can, you can tell he's, he is fast as well. Um, and it's just nice to have a different physical profile of player to bring on. Like I felt like we had a lot of similar sized and similar, similar athletes before but now you've kind of got Fumbu who's short and fast you've got Amla who's big and you is more of a target man so it just gives you a few more golf clubs in the bag doesn't it to play with so yeah yeah it was he was good it was promising yeah I'm looking forward to seeing how he makes it out for the rest of the season I think that uh, a good pre to know when those were a good pre-season at the professional level again will uh, definitely help him out and um, but Basket came in. Um, it seems to be everything's all forgiven now. Uh, I thought he played pretty well, commanded his box really well. Um, like they put out some fluff piece today. Um, talking to like his mom. I didn't realize his mom uh, represented Canada at the Winter Olympics. No, which, no, same. Yeah, so it was uh, that was really it was a really nice article. I feel like that one was probably been in the buy, and they probably had to push it back a week or two after the whole yeah, suspension yeah. thing. But, uh, <laughs> he, it, it was a, it was a, it was good to see him back and he, like good to see him enjoying his football. And uh, I'd like to have seen in the article his mum scolding him for the. You shouldn't, you shouldn't speak to people like that, Kieran. <laughs> you're a naughty boy. I didn't bring you up to call anybody a cunt. Uh, <laughs> you're not the Messiah. You're a very naughty boy. You know. You know. How do you how do you say his name? Just as a this is a, a tangent, not a tangent. It's just an off comment. How do you say his surname? Yeah. The guy with just the goalkeeper we've just been talking oh, bas- about. Basket. Basket. Because so, I obviously I say basket like in terms of accents because yeah that's what I call a basket. <laughs> but with surnames, it's like one of those things where people get really touchy if you don't say a surname in the in the accent the person is from. Like you know, with Alfonso, I say yeah. Davis. I say Alfonso Davis. But people too. get re- really angry when. It's Davies. When, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I'm always conscious on here whenever we talk about him to like say basket, <laughs> like a, like a <laughs> name is Kieran Basket okay. instead of Kieran Basket. And like the the, the reason <laughs> the reason that's in my head is I, I was listening to the, we had we had that Brit, we had that British commentator, didn't we, for the Pacific game? Yeah. 
and he was he he was saying basket as well and i was like thinking i bet people are fucking stewing oh, stewing well, listening to this the, the family are home furiously typing emails <laughs> to one soccer it's basket yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I guess we're gonna have to like put on a sudden drawl every time we say his name now because you've just put that into my head. So, yeah, <laughs> thanks, man. Cheers. Uh, yeah. I, I will say as well, uh, during the commentary, uh, when when they scored, when I think I think when they scored, the camera shot over to like a uh, block one away, and yeah. the the guy um said like, uh, oh, the privateers are going crazy over there. And I was just like, that's gonna start, that's gonna start round yeah. somewhere. So. <laughs> It's like, Jesus. So, um, who was your Heineken man in the match for uh, for this one? Um, Omar. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll I'll flip it and I'll give it to the Lamar. So I, when when we said it for the last game, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, because well, I like to be honest, they they were the top two for both games yeah. for me. I, I thought both of them were excellent, and it could have easily gone either way. Yeah, for or, both games. Or Ramp, Rampy would be up there as well for the Pacific game. So uh, moving on to uh, the Molson uh, mailbag for the first one, we've got Denton uh, again. Thank you, Denton. We really appreciate you giving us the questions because it, it saves me having to write out questions for Gary and, and topics to talk about. Uh, the, the Wanderers grounds are hosting Guelph versus Cape Breton in a few weeks. So this is like, a, I think season ticket holders are getting a free game out of this mm. or something. Do you think there's a push right now to make U Sports and L1C games more popular in the Canadian sports market? Is that necessary? And do you think it will work? Yeah, I think I think there probably is. There's been a lot of talk from the club about a maritime a maritime league, um, so I think they're trying to whip up a bit of interest in U sports and and it's testing the waters. It's seeing what kind of market is there for football that isn't Halifax Wanderers and seeing how many people they can get interested in it. So, yeah, I think I think I think they probably are trying to whip up a bit of interest. Um, and I, I love it. I absolutely love love I love the under twenty three games. And I love this as well. It's just nice to go and watch. It's a, the atmosphere is completely different. Like you can really just kind of sit down and have a chat during the game yeah. to people you're with and kind of watch it. Obviously you're watching it, but you're not watching it with the same intensity and stuff. So really nice, really nice night out. So hopefully, hopefully a lot of the season ticket holders go. So they get a good crowd. I, I, I think uh, being honest with you, I think it would have been better I'm I, I was I'm I'm a complainer, but um I, I think like just just in my mind, it would have been better to give the under twenty three game as a free game to go and watch. Agreed. Yeah. Because I, I thought that as you said, like I had a great time like just being able to sit and chat and still watch the game of football and it wasn't just in the background I was paying attention, but at the same time it was kind of nice just to not be focusing on like every little thing for ninety minutes. It was kinda of, it was kinda of a good thing. And I think you're one hundred percent right that this is all gearing towards how popular the maritime like because they have to create one. I mean, like BC has one now. Uh, like there's the, the Quebec and Ontario thing. They they have to do something, and I think it just uh to help the wanderers out going forward. They need to have that pool of talent here. So I think it's just testing the water, and I'm pretty happy that it's it's the capers and not just like Dal or Smew. I think it's kind of nice that they've yeah. But uh, I, I really like. I really enjoy watching Cape Breton. I, I think uh, they, they have a, a really good style of play. So then hopefully that, that answers your question. Um, Joe Timothy uh, asked, uh, given we struggle so much to create many chances against the 10 men of Pacific, it's been a problem all season. Uh, what does this say about our setup? Why do we find it so hard to create chances? And what do we need to go, uh, what do we need to do going into next season to improve? So I, t- I took a little dip into the center circle data after reading that question because wow. I, I have a lot of um 
we all, I think we all have a lot of preconceptions. And I was kind of always under the impression that we probably created a bit more than I thought. So I looked at expected goals first. And throughout the whole league, for goals scored, we are eighth. We joined eighth. We've got worst goal scored record with um, York. But for expected goals, we're third, which is... Jesus Christ. We're third in the league. So I look at that and I think, actually, we do... we 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 do create chances we just can't finish them but then i was thinking well we've had a lot of penalties and penalties tend to really skew expected goals because they've got like a, a value of 0.75 or something so that really makes it look like you're creating more than you actually are so then i looked at um big chances so each team in the league how many big chances they have because i think this is more of a a reflection of how many chances you're creating how many big chances you have um so forge have the most big chances created at 38 and then there's a massive massive drop up to the team that's second they've got like 29 and then the team that are seventh have got 24 i think so you've got like most of the league yep. and a really big bunch in the middle so you've got 38 at the top 29 to 24 i don't like, I don't like where this is going <laughs> <laughs> and then in eighth place you've got those boys in blue, the Halifax Wanderers, with 15 big chances. Holy shit. So we have we have nine big chances less than any other team in the league. And like every other team other than Forge who are way ahead are really in a close bunch. So it, that's a pretty dramatic shift. And if you look again, we're eighth in the league for assists as well. Like this. We, we we like and that's the thing we we don't we don't create enough like that that it's completely fair comment to make not a clue how to fix it to be honest because I feel we're like we're quite a streaky team with with chances and stuff like that so we'll have like a game like we did against Pacific where again I actually thought we created quite a lot and then you'll get like a run of those six or seven games we went on without winning where we create fuck all so yeah that that's got to be. That's got to be the number one. I mean, I'm saying this. I'm, I sound like a broken record because that's been the number one aim every single preseason since the club started. Was to, where can we get more goals from in this team? So yeah, that's that's a, it's a huge issue and it's a huge challenge for for the management team in the off season. Yeah, I I, I can't add anything because you've literally like just all the stats you checked up on you actually like did some research on this so my, my was just going to be generic like we're shit to deal with it kind of thing so uh, no but like like i i think um i think your change of formation has really helped us and i think in the last couple of games it's actually changed a little bit i think i think the the game against pacific because of the way the pacific set i think james merriman set them up perfectly to go for a draw that's all they wanted they were that was as soon as manny aparicio was gone they wanted a draw they want to take the point um they generally don't do the greatest against Halifax, I think, when they play here. So I think they were happy with just grabbing a point and going. And obviously they had their eyes towards Tuesday with the game in Costa Rica. So I, I think that would be an anomaly and I wouldn't look to that as like a problem overall, but it's definitely been an issue for us. But I think the last couple of games, like the Valor game, and I think Ottawa, like we actually have been creating a little bit more and we've kind of been getting in behind teams a little bit more and actually using Fernandez and... Uh, tabby where they're supposed to be and that's like getting to the boy line and getting balls mm. back into the box so hopefully 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 and we've been here many 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 times before we will see a little turn in fortunes when we get to see like some some attacking football but 
I guess I wouldn't hold my breath on that. But hey, I hope you that answers you somewhat. Gary definitely did his homework on that one, and I appreciate that, Gary. Um, Steve Steele, like it seems to be the Steve Steele show tonight. So, um, have the last two. Um, let me see. Okay, so have the last two uh, home wins made you feel less less apprehensive in speaking about the club? As in, there is now some light at the, t- at the end of the tunnel. Also, York now fifth in the power rankings. Is that list randomly generated? Uh, I want you and Anthony to answer. The power. I'll start with the power rankings. Absolute bollocks. Like the whole fucking thing. I I don't understand the. It's a. It's, I don't think they do power rankings back home. It's something that's no. Been, I'd never heard of it it's, before. It's absolute shite. It's I like I I feel like at the start of the season people were getting their knickers in a twist about it, and I was just like, this is. What are you worrying about it? It's it's not the league table. It's not. It's yeah. nothing. It's an absolute load of bollocks to generate content. Fuck exactly. It. That's that's it. Like, as when we when we look at the power rankings table, we think the purpose of that is for them to accurately assign power to each team and guess like that is not the purpose of that the purpose of the power rankings is to generate clicks and generate social media engagement so they don't want to be accurate they want to be as controversial as possible whilst whilst maintaining the veneer of oh this is actually who we think are doing well and stuff so yeah it's 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 very and because it comes from this the cpl itself it's not one soccer thing or anything like that like it, it feels like it's something that they actually put like some work into and they put like some stats into it. it's just it's fucking horseshit and like don't don't steve the next time you see it just delete it just, <laughs> or else just type type under and go this is a load of bollocks so i'm asking everybody the next time the power rankings come in just put this is a load of bollocks on the, uh... <laughs> any any anything like that that comes from the league is a load of bollocks like i like i, like, I find it really this sounds patronizing but i find it really sweet how like how much making the team of the week means to the players. Like they all like are really proud of it, aren't they? But it's like a fucking intern in the CPL offices <laughs> who's been like thrown a bit of paperwork on Monday. Someone's gone, just fucking put something together. Like, just, I don't know, just choose whoever scored, like check their FOP mob rating. I don't give a fuck who's in it. Just pump I'm, out this content and on your, and way, the... back, on your way back from getting me a latte just to exactly yeah <laughs> yeah no but I, but but to me like like the team of the week actually like there's something behind this. Somebody's gone and looked at the games, I guess, and just said like, okay, yeah. like this, because they generally don't always pick the Gatorade player of the week kind of thing in there. And they just do it, oh, player of the game, whatever, which is another load of bollocks. Like that Gatorade thing is like, okay, so you just scored your, the Gatorade player. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's absolute nonsense. Um, do I feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel? He's kind of just just tipped on it there. Like uh, I, I definitely think for the next couple of games, especially the home games, as you said, is when we're going to be kind of playing the car. Our, our first team uh, will be a lot better. Um, our next question is Seabrews uh, on Twitter. Um, would be interesting hearing your thoughts about the Wanderers on loan to Edmonton and how their season is going. Do you see them joining the team next year? So obviously there's the big one, like uh, Timoteo, which I think is, it depends on what's happening with Edmonton. I think if, they, if they're still in situ in the way that they are now, it would feel really bad taking back the player that's doing well for them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's kind of it's a the really shitty situation that they find themselves in. But I mean, he's obviously the one that stands out, and he's obviously he's one of the assist leaders, I think, in the league now. So I mean, like, yeah, was... I I would have him back all day long. I don't really give a shit about the Edmonton stuff, to be honest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I I I'm a big big fan of Timoteo. Like, I'm as all the Edmonton games I watch, I try and just like focus on him and what he's doing and. 
he's a really, really good player, really interesting player who will add a lot to our team if he comes back next season. Like, so he's play, he can play, he can play left wing, he can play right wing, he can play left back. I'm sure he could do a job centrally if we needed him to as well. Really smooth player, like like very smooth operator. Beautiful delivery on set pieces. He takes corners for Edmonton. He takes free kicks for Edmonton. And I think you look at that and that means the coaches there really rate him technically if he's on set pieces. Um, in terms of productivity, like I didn't realise how good he was there as well. Like he's got two goals and six assists this season. That's incredible. And that's in that team. In that team playing yeah. playing like like they're rarely the better team in the games they're playing, are they? Like they're never really on top. So for him to be him to have got that many assists is really, really impressive. Couple of goals as well. So yeah, very interesting player who I hope I hope is at the club next season. But then obviously there's uh is it CJ Smith and uh Maheshi, am I saying that right? Maheshi, uh, I think he's barely played for him, has he Maheshi? Yeah, like, and I, a couple I think of appearances. I think CJ Smith's been kind of like uh, the same kind of way, really, hasn't he? Because I, I mean, he's been in and out, yeah, yeah. off the bench a lot. And so, so I, w- I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have either of them, but definitely Timoteo, I'd like at the club. Yeah, I, I definitely like it's. It's one of those things, like you, know, like Edmonton have to, they have to do something. Like I, I feel like they're, they're trying their best not to be like just a shit team and just be like be tumped every week and. For them, like being honest, that has that hasn't gone that way. That they've actually put up some decent performances. Like I mean, the one against Valor, they were really good. The one against York, they were unlucky to lose that one. And you know, they've they've they've, they've unearthed some pretty decent players. Like I mean, like uh, Batar is a pretty good player too. And mm. um, but it, it's also we sent players there in the hope that we'll get game time and it hasn't really happened for them and same with some of the York players that they sent there like I mean like I don't has Felix uh, Ensa played a game yet I, I really Not don't sure, know yeah. yeah um so yeah I, I definitely think that we can lock in Timoteo for next season the other two I, I would say they'll probably stay at uh, Edmonton alone if uh, if Edmonton A exists <laughs> uh, and B um, if the, like if they get a new owner in I, I I can't see them keeping the players to be perfectly honest. Yeah, so Gar, um, we we've we've gone through a lot. I really appreciate you uh, giving so much time this week. I know it's been uh, it's been a lot to jam into the short. I, pre- I appreciate you doing all the fucking work. Uh, I, I literally, mate, I just turn up and talk. You have to like plan all of this. I fucking know. It's piece of piece of piss for me. You, uh, you're like, the one doing all the work. Today, like, today was like uh, was one of those days. Like so, uh, my kids were <laughs> just discussing. But my kids were at a like daycare, and then we picked them up, and we get like little messages from daycare, like telling us of their day, like like they send us pictures of mm-hmm. how they're doing and, and stuff like that, and then they give us like the breakdown of like, their toilet. So they hadn't pooped. <laughs> really? Yeah. So that they hadn't they hadn't pooped, they hadn't pooped all day. They'd only peed. <laughs> so my my wife, my wife uh, went to uh, Sobeys, and uh, I got a, a message like saying like, "Dear God." Meet me at the door with a towel and some wipes. Uh, my son, my son had like literally, literally like that everywhere. It was all over his car seat, all over his back, and stuff like that. And I was just like, <laughs> like father, like son. Uh, yeah, I was just like, I'm supposed, <laughs> supposed to like fucking do an interview and do a fucking podcast. I'm, I'm all over the shop. So yeah, um, it's definitely. Well, you know, like you're making fun, man, and I enjoy doing these. So yeah, um. Thanks, mailman, and we'll see you. Uh, next game is against Edmonton away. So Edmonton we'll on Saturday, uh, Sunday. Edmonton on Sunday. Are you yeah. going to you going to watch it, or what are you doing? I'm I'm coming back from a wedding in Cape Breton, so it depends what time Ooh. I get back. To be honest, but 
yeah hope, hopefully hopefully and yeah, then uh, let me know if you're going to um still well i might actually pop down and yeah we'll do mate if, it, yeah. if i'm back in time i will for sure yeah. so awesome buddy uh talk cool. to you then cheers cheers mate bye cheers Joined by Halifax, but well, you're not new anymore because we've signed five or six new players <laughs> after you. But uh, we're joined by uh, Ludwig uh, Amla. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Really, uh, really excited to have you on the show, man. So, um, before we kind of kick off, you always do a kind of couple of easier questions just to make life a little bit easy for you. So, what's the last movie or TV show you watched? Yeah, so I've just before calling you. I've been watching a, 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 a Netflix series called Power. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about that. Um, no. Yeah, I've been watching that for like uh, one year now. There's a new season that just went out. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to that and I'm going to that right now. Okay, so recommended by uh, Mr. Amle. So you say it's called Power? Yeah, Power. Okay, check it out. Um, <laughs> who's, who's the uh, who's the funniest person on the Halifax Wanderers? Funniest person, <laughs> uh, I would say maybe Zachary Fernandez because when he speaks English, <laughs> his English ain't that good. So like when he speaks, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I love it. I saw the I thought we saw the TikTok last night where they were like uh, guessing the flags on TikTok. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw it too. I, <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, how he doesn't how Fernandez doesn't have a concussion? I don't know. He got he got whacked pretty bad. Okay, he needs to go to geography uh, lessons. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. So, um, what team? What team do you support outside of the Wanderers? Uh, uh, I've been a fan of Arsenal since a long time ago. Yeah, 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 everybody's Gunners. a what? What's every everybody in Quebec is like a big fan of Arsenal. I I really don't know why. It's uh everybody like like Jeremy. I think he said he was a fan of Arsenal. I follow Tottenham, so it it just oh, yeah Tottenham. Yeah, so it's like a knife. On, it's yeah, it's like a knife on my heart every time somebody says Arsenal. So yeah, so um I'm gonna make this interview like really awkward for you because uh you're Arsenal. So um <laughs> 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 so uh it's been it's obviously been a crazy couple of weeks for you. Um so when did you find out about the interest from Halifax and how did the move kind of come about? So uh, I I knew about Halifax that they were interesting in me. Uh, I think since uh, March. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, I got injured, so it kind of like cut like the the interest a bit, and like they they brought an, a new players in. So I was more focused about myself getting back on the pitch and everything. And then uh, during the, the the month of July, uh, uh, they, they told me that they wanted to see me for one week uh, because my team, my my old team at PLSQ Saint Hubert, yeah, we're having a we're having a game against the under twenty threes of Halifax. So they thought that it was the right moment for me to come in and, um, and do that week before doing the game, the friendly game against the, their under-23s. So since July 17th, I've been with the team, I've trained with the team, and it went well. And then uh, let's say like the final exam was the game <laughs> against, <laughs> against the under-23s. It went well as well. 
And right after the game, the Matt Matt he he, he spoke to me with my agent, told me that they they wanted to to offer me a contract, and uh, since that day I'm I'm part of this of the squad. That's amazing. So, you, you, as you said, you took part in the under twenty threes game, and I think you scored twice, right? So, uh, yeah, exactly. So, what was the ex- what was the experience like scoring against a team that you probably thought were going to uh, become, <laughs> become become your employer? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, since I've trained with the guys, uh, let's say that like when I scored, you know, usually that I like to celebrate a lot. But like when I scored those two goals, I was trying to keep my calm. I celebrate too much, just in case. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> so, um, like the, you you signed and then you you're put like straight into the team against the uh, against York, I think it was. So, like, what was that like? You know, you're going from being like on trial, the under twenty threes game, and then suddenly you're in the squad. Was it like a crazy couple of days? And what 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 was it like on the day of the game when you were like going to be playing, uh, your first game for the Wanderers? Yeah, it was crazy. Honestly, it was crazy. Um, as I told you, like the I, I did maybe like two trains with them just before the game or against York, and uh, like I knew like the same day that I was going to start that game uh, against York. So, but I mean, I, I was happy. I was happy, and uh, I think that it showed me that the the team also like have confidence in me and that they trust me, even though uh, that I, I'm new, and that's uh, that's something that. It's really important for me because I want to know that like the team still thinks that I can bring something uh, special to the to the group, like to pull the group. I mean, uh, and yeah, I mean the game were, went didn't win that well because we obviously we lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, just the fact that playing those first minutes with with the, with the, with the group was uh, really important for me. So uh, I, I went to the game on the Wednesday, the under twenty three game, and there was probably I'd say three four hundred people, and then. The York game had like six thousand people. So, <laughs> what, yeah. what what was that experience like for you? Like going from playing in a small crowd to suddenly having six thousand crazy people. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, you know? um, even even like doing my my trial, uh, the week I was doing the trial, I went to the Edmonton game just before because I had a playing against Edmonton, so I went to that game. So I already saw how you guys were, were hyping the team <laughs> during the games and everything. So I kind of knew the atmosphere and everything. Uh, and yeah, honestly, like I, I really appreciated uh, playing that game because I felt that the whole fans were were behind us. Uh, you guys were shouting for 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 a team, shouting our names and everything. It was a crazy atmosphere, but I really enjoyed it. So how how did you find the the step up? Like because obviously you've gone from PLSQ on the twenty threes game to then the CPL. How are you finding the step up in the levels to uh to, to the professional? I mean, uh, it's good. I mean, I I played before, before even because uh, I used to play professional in Macedonia before. So like, I went pro, then I came back to the PLSQ uh, because of a few reasons. So now the fact that I came back professional, uh, obviously, uh, is a big step for me because I after my injury, like getting back on the field, I did a few games with Saint Hubert also, just to you know get back in shape. And uh, I I want to say thank you for for Cynthia for that because they, they trusted me even though I got injured, and um, yeah I mean from Cynthia to Pelisquid there's kind of a different level, um, but I, I I'm trying to do my best doing every session as well training sessions to to fill up uh, for all the lads uh, doing the doing the, doing the sessions and yeah that's it. So uh, you, you mentioned an injury there. So what was the injury that you had? If you don't mind me asking, I had a. I had an uh, LCL, uh, so it was my ligament. Uh, it 
that got torped. But I, I didn't need it, any surgery for that, though. So hopefully, I thank God for that. Just uh, lots of rest and PlayStation or Xbox? Yeah. <laughs> nah, no PlayStation. <laughs> rest, recovery. Uh, yeah, that's it. Rest, recovery, exercises. So, uh, how are you fitting in with the with, with the guys in the in the squad? Like, are they are they easy to get along with? And uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that they do an initiation. So, have you done an initiation yet? <laughs> I've done that. I've done that. I mean, like the guys were welcoming since the beginning that I came. Uh, even during the trial as well, the guys were welcoming everybody because I already knew a few guys in the team as well before. Uh, and plus the new guys that I just that I just met during the trial also they were really welcoming so I, it really make it easier for me to play my game and show what I what I could do and about the initiation yeah I did it I did it uh, before the game against Ottawa <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had to sing uh, since I dyed my hair now I got the same hair color as, uh, as a French singer called MHD so uh, I sang one of his songs uh, and got diabetes. I think my performance was good. I mean, the guys were happy. <laughs> After that performance, they're putting the, the songs in the dressing room. So I think that I did well. I mean, okay. I did my part. I will. Uh, I'll ask some of the guys how you really did, and I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, what? What? What made you do uh, change the hair? I uh, like it's not my first time. Before, uh, like I, I, I'm used to dye my hair. I like to dye my hair sometimes blonde, sometimes uh, yellowish, orangish, just for the style. Because nice. I, I like, I like, I like the style as well. Uh, apart from football, I like modeling style stuff and everything. So yeah. So will we see a blue for the Wanderers? I'm not sure about the blue for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I'll stick to my blood. <laughs> so like you, as you mentioned, it like you, you like I know you. You, you were born in Denmark, but you grew up in Quebec. So what, what was it like growing up in the Quebec football system, like le- learning to play football? And what, what are the, the things that work really well in Quebec? And what are the things you think they, that they might need to improve on? Uh, in Denmark, I used to play in a small academy called the B67, um, which helped me to grow and learn a lot of stuff uh, in football. So, I mean, like my first two years, maybe when I came to Quebec, uh, I I maybe think that I had some more stuff than the other guys uh, of my age, obviously. Um, what I like about Quebec is the fact that it's there's a lot of like um, friendship during the game. It's really friendly since we are young, competitive and friendly. Yeah, a lot of tournaments as well. Uh, but I I maybe think like the um, that there's missing some some academies. I mean, Quebec is a big province. The fact that we only have like one ac- academy, which is the Montreal Academy, makes it more hard for for the guys to join academies and improve their their game. Uh, if you compare it to Europe, where there's a lot of academies in the countries, uh, even like cities can have two academies in the same city. So I mean, I think that the fact that we don't have a lot of academies uh, in Quebec, even in Canada, in the whole Canada, makes it a lot more difficult for the for the young players to like improve themselves uh, or get the chance to to show their the talent. Well, I guess that's the good thing about the CPL is that eventually, I suppose, they want to have that level. So hopefully we'll start to see some teams in Quebec because it's the one province where we desperately need a team, I think. I, I think Halifax mm-hmm. I think Halifax will be in trouble because we get most of our players from Quebec. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> Keep doing that, keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but so, like, you know, obviously the under-23s was uh, a part of was growing the player base in in, in Halifax mm-hmm. 
like I know Ryan and uh, uh, Tabby were part of the under 23s. Did they talk about their experience playing against you and what what they think of the the setup at the under 23? Uh, I talked with uh, Obeng a bit about uh, the fact that he was playing with the U23s. He, he personally told me that it was kind of interesting because at least uh, it gave the chance to the guys who wasn't really playing with the first team to at least show the talent with the under 23s. And uh, I mean, the two games that they did against uh, my old team, Saint-Hubert, and against uh, Saint-Laurent, I think it was important for them because they could play in front of the Wanderers uh, fans because there was one of the fans that came to the games. And they, yeah, they, they showed their skills. I think that maybe the coaches of the first team also saw some players in the U23s that might maybe interest them for the, for the future. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully. Like, uh, there was a, a lot of talent. Like, I thought like some of the... Uh, the goalkeeper for your team was was really good. I thought I thought he had a really good mm-hmm. game. So, um, yeah. so so you know, um, as you mentioned there, you were you played in uh, I guess it's called North Macedonia now. I'm just trying to be like politically correct yeah. here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. how how did that like you know obviously you're in Quebec. How does a, a team from Macedonia North Macedonia find you? And uh, what was it like living over there? Uh, so I I got uh, in contact with the team. Um, because of a guy that came saw me play in uh, in Quebec during a showcase, so he, he he talked about me to the to the team in uh, in North Macedonia, and uh, I sent them my highlights, my my CV, and then they flew me out over there to like see me in person, uh, and uh, I I did what I what I did, and it went well, so they they offered me a contract over there, um, and yeah, I've been there. I did the. Uh, Half of season with them, like their end of the season. So from from so from June, January to uh, May, I played with them. Uh, it was a great experience, a uh, new place, uh, different culture, uh, different style of football as well. But I mean, I, I learned stuff that helped me improve my game, and I think that it was necessary for me to to go through those kind of experiences. So what what style of football is it? Like, is it that kind of European? Like the Spanish, where they kind of like to keep the ball and just pass it around, or is it like English football, where they're kind of like kicking it long and rushing? Like what? what yeah, what I, I would football? say it's, I would say it's more like English football because yeah, it like some teams were playing like technique, tactical, and everything, but I think like most of the teams uh, in that league were playing physique, really physique, uh, long balls. Like it was, it was good football, but not like the the proper technical Spanish football. <laughs> and plus over there, like. Um, the three first teams were were qualified for for the qualification of the Champions League and the Europa League. So I mean, there was good quality over there uh, for sure. So you know, obviously because you're a, a bigger guy, like do you, were they were they picking on you a little bit? <clears throat> you know, like the kind of defenders making sure you got an elbow here or there. Or of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, since I'm tall, uh, the defenders know that I can. I might maybe use my body, so they always try to you know. They push me from behind or do some stuff just to nag me or like, uh, I mean, try to take me down. Even in the CPO, it's the same. So I think it's my role, my my work to try to not let that happen. Uh, and I think I have to work on that too. Uh, my 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 back play, I have to work on that to to be able to keep the ball more on my feet and be able to hold back the defenders. I think uh, Akeem Garcia is probably... One of the best players in the league at that. Um, I think he'd be a good player to play against. So, like, are you picking up bits and pieces from the guys that train him? Of course, there's a lot of talent in in the squad. There's a lot of good guys, uh, good strikers as well. Because I'm a striker, so I'm trying to learn from them. I should, I should say that Kim Gershaw is a really good striker. 
he got a proper technique for for for, for the back play. I see him. He 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 ain't even that tall. That's the thing. But he yeah. plays really good. Like yeah, from the back. So I'm trying to learn from him. There's also uh, Moursam, who is a good striker, and uh, he's older than me. So I'm trying to ask him sometimes some questions about stuff, and he he talks talks to me a lot about that. Yeah, I, I noticed with Akeem, like he just likes to put his like his bum <laughs> into players. He's always like, he's yeah, really, like, yeah, because he's kind of <laughs> kind of shorty, like he's kind of stocky. It's uh exactly. It's, it's I say he's like for a defender. I say it's a nightmare trying to play against him, trying to get the ball. Uh, it's, no, it's kind it's of crazy. True. He's a good player. So, 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 like when you were coming into the club, like what did what what did Stephen and Matt say to you? Like, but the 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 style of play that they want from you, like what do they where do they see you kind of fitting into the team and what they're trying to do? So obviously they told me that they they noticed a lot of qualities from me during the trial sessions and and during the game against the under 23s. Uh, I'm a striker that likes to, to take spaces. Uh, I'm I'm fast, so I like to run up front. Uh, I have a good uh, air game, let's say head, body, and everything, because I'm I'm tall, so I, I'm dominant in the air. Um, I try to score goals with the headers and everything, and I'm a guy that like to to finish clean, uh, like clean finish, you know, uh, with precision. Not 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 the guy who likes to strike with power and everything. I'm more like the the clean finisher, and I I like to combine it with the guys too. Um, combine it, come back sometimes, or try to make runs up front. So like try to to diverse my my runs and create space for the other guys as well. Yeah, like you know we, we signed uh Fumpe Mwangwe and we've got Zach and and obviously Tabby on the far side. So are you excited to play with those guys who are able to get to the touch line and whip crosses in for you and stuff like that? Uh, I I like that. I like that honestly. Uh, in, uh even we were talking about that during training sessions as well. Like I mean Zach who got a really good quality of center for Ben as well. Like they they know that I like to 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 stay in the box and receive crosses from them, so we're trying to repeat that as much as possible, and and hopefully one day we will pay and we will score a goal like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna come, man. It's gonna come. You can, like yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. We, the, the game against Pacific, I thought you came on, and you played like really well. You gave us uh, a lot of uh, different options. Like, is it difficult? Like, you know, obviously we've got Salter, who was like pretty much our, like our number one right now. But uh, mm-hmm. is is it difficult coming into a game when you're being asked to do something different than what he's been doing? Like, what's it like coming on into the pitch, especially in that situation where it's nil nil, we're playing against ten men, we kind of need to score. So, like, do you, do you get nervous? What's what was going on? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't get nervous at all. I mean, um, before going in the, the field, normally the coaches are telling me like why they want me to come in, what they want me to do when I'm on the field as well. So just before entering, uh, entering, sorry. Uh, Jen told me what he wanted for me. Yeah, he what what he was demanding for me uh, to do, and I think that I I kind of did what he wanted me to do, and uh, I'm glad that I I I contributed without contribute to the goal that we scored <laughs> against Pacific. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, like since I told you, I'm I'm a tall guy. He wanted me to to create some danger uh, in the box, um, be able to receive crosses from either Tabby. Uh, or uh, not Tabi, but um, Escobar or or Fernandez. Uh, so yeah, coming into the end of the season, like we've only got like what seven or eight games, but you've got all of next season. So, uh, what are your goals from now until the end of the season for yourself? Uh, my my personal goal for the end of the season is to try to to play as much as possible. I know we have a lot of strikers uh, in the squad right now, so it's a bit complicated. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, 
take benefit of every single second minute that I have and try to do my best. Uh, try to score as much goals as I can, uh, even though we all, we have seven, eight games left. But also to assimilate myself, uh, try to learn uh, from the guys, also learn from the league. And like that, make sure that the next season, my next full season, which is next, which is next year, I'll be able to to play with more confidence, uh, play without any doubts, just play my game, and and yeah. So I, I'll say like this last few games for me is for uh, games to show myself uh, for, uh, for the games that I have, but also to learn about the league. Uh, and next year, I will attack it as much as possible. So um, I I did want to ask you about uh, you came on in the game against uh, Ottawa away from home and there was we drew two, two we were two two and then the crazy, crazy game. the crazy situation uh, crazy so game. so so what was it like being on the pitch obviously like for the the equalizer and then the crazy stuff that happened afterwards with the third goal the, 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 the was crazy honestly I mean we we fought really bad we 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 came back to score. They were ahead of us 2-0. We came back 2-2. So, obviously, we were happy. I mean, we were playing uh, outside. So, I mean, even though taking one point would be benefit for us. And honestly, I don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> a few seconds after our second goal, <laughs> they, they put in the goal. And the thing is, when they scored and the referee told us that it was offside, it was like, okay, let's go. Like, let's play a game and everything. Then he went back to his uh, line referee, talked with him a bit, and then told that the, the goal counted. Uh, I mean... Uh, we wasn't happy, obviously, but I, that's football. You can't do anything about it. It happened, it happened. And uh, yeah, I, I, like that, now he was pissed, of course. But after that, we said, hello, guys, we have to wake up. We've got other games to play as well. So let's not sleep uh, on that game and focus on the other games we have. Yeah, I, I think the I think the referee had a, like didn't like us very much because Pierre scored a perfectly good goal. <laughs> and then that happened. He scored so. one goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> that's the thing. We scored. We scored the first goal in the game. Apparently, it was offside. We got some penalties that didn't get uh, called. I mean, those referees sometimes. But hey, it is what it is. <laughs> so, so um, like the as well with the the game of Ottawa. Like so, you know, luckily we had. I think it was good that we had a game quite quickly afterwards. But like, what was Stevens' message to everybody? Like after the Ottawa game, like in the dressing room, was he like? you know, just move on or was it like, fuck this? <laughs> yeah, he was He was more about the, the moving on stuff. Uh, obviously, he wasn't happy as well. Uh, like, as, as I told you, like, after that game, was all in the dressing room watching videos of that goal to see, like, what happened, like, what was the thing? And, I mean, as I told you, like, it passed, it passed. We can't change anything. So, he told us just to take that in and focus on the next ones. And we did. We came back against Pacific, and we and we won the game. So we had to be happy about that. It's crazy that like you, you all were closer to that than anybody else, and you still had to watch videos in the dressing room to find out what happened. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I it was, know. <laughs> it was just a crazy, crazy game. So, man, it, it's been. It's been great talking to you. As I said, like I didn't want to keep you for too long. I just wanted to. I think it's a great opportunity for people to. Uh, to get to know you a little bit because you know it was kind of as I said we've had so many players come in at the same time and it's been a bit of a whirlwind yeah. for everybody. So um, good luck, man. Enjoy your trip to Edmonton. I'm sure we'll see you at the next game and uh, the next home game. And uh, best of luck, buddy. Have a good one too. Thank you very much for your Thanks, time man. as well.
Drink or smoke, get out. Out your box.